Hello, welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club's Chief Heritage Officer, Mr. Steve Lamotti. So, Steve, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Uh, it's been busy, Aaron. We've um, it's only a few days before Christmas. It's it's the twenty first that we're recording this, and it looks like I'm going to be flat out up until Christmas. Actually, I've, I've just been um, thanking a group of of our fantastic heritage volunteers who have come in for a briefing about a photography uh, sorting project that that they're going to be starting off in the new year. Because in in trying to sort out the library and archive that our late club historian Peter Wynne Thomas left us, uh, there are there's an absolute treasure trove of photographs in there uh, a lot of which have no details at all so um, uh, I think apart from sorting them there's going to be a big identification project as well so uh, uh, we, we have a fantastic team of about uh, 40 heritage volunteers help, helping the program here at, here at Trent Bridge and, and uh, six of them have come in today from, for, for a briefing so I've just been saying thank you and wishing them happy Christmas and now here I am, sat in the third umpires and match referees room, staring out over an empty but but very green Trent Bridge pitch. Anyway, well, I'll tell you what, it's a lovely place to be sat recording today's episode, isn't it? It's that lovely view of Trent Bridge, an iconic ground here in England and Wales, and that sounds like a very exciting project, actually. Taking yeah. place at Trent Bridge with that that heritage connection. Yes, we've, um, you know, Peter left us a fantastic resource, uh, I have to say. It wasn't quite as well organised as it might have been, but but uh, I think I'd, I'd, I'd far rather he didn't throw anything away and then left us to sort it out rather than make his own choice and, and some things just disappear in, in, into the ether, if, if you like. So, yes, we, we, we spent most of last winter um, sorting out the books. Um, so uh, for those people who didn't come to the library last year, the ground floor of what is actually a former squash court. Um, it was converted into the library in 2002, opened by Ken Clark, um, one of our former presidents here at Knotts. Um, the, the, the ground floor is actually all of the reading books now, uh, and we've classified them according to the MCC library's classification, which has made a lot of sense anyway. And we and we started a lending service for Knotts members uh, during the year as well, because, uh, you know, books look very nice on shelves, but actually, at, at the end of the day, they're there to be read, aren't, aren't they? So, so we're so we're very happy to sort of share the books with 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 Knotts members, anyway. Well, that is a lovely little scheme, and obviously, for for Knotts members who are interested in that, how can they get involved with that that book scheme? Um, come along on any uh, county championship match day, basically, or, or else um, drop drop me a, an email, heritage at knottsccc.co.uk, uh, and because I'm going to be here most of the winter so you know happy to happy to unlock especially for them if they'd like to register as a user they just just need to bring along a valid membership card um you know we take a few details and then they they can they can uh, take their pick of thousands of books that, that that we've got in the in in the library because it's certainly a library that's a lot more than just about knots it, it's you know peter collected cricket in general um so when when we move upstairs this this winter's sorting out job apart from the photographs Aaron is is all of the reference books you know we, we've got 
we've got county annuals and yearbooks from every other county going back many many years and anyway so the chances are you know we we, we may have stuff about uh, other counties that they might not have for for, the, for themselves really so you know we're, we're, we're always happy to welcome research uh, visits as well anyway well, that sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, to be honest, I might have to pop down see if there's anything about Warwickshire. <laughs> yes, yep, yep, um, yes. Just give it, give us a day's notice, and we'll 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 find some stuff for you. Certainly, yeah, it'd be a pleasure to see you and and anybody else who's who's, who's listening. Certainly, we um, we aim as uh, in 2023 to uh, open certainly every county championship match day from the lunch interval until the end of the tea interval. Um, and then a major major matches as, as, as well. Uh, we don't open on the T20 and 100 matches because that's just a different different sort of uh, experience, really. But but um, you know we're 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 very happy if if people contact us by email to open up special especially for them as well. We get we get, um, we get quite a few people who are doing cricket research projects, but also as as you might imagine, family history research projects. You know, uh, I imagine if Peter had a pound for every time somebody walked through the door and said i think my grandfather played for knots um uh, i think he'd have been a been a rich man he was very 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 skilled in letting people down because the chances are half half the time they didn't actually play for knots after all they played for one of the clubs but but uh no so so it's a great family history re- re- resource as well as a, a sort of cricket resource it most certainly is and again for any knots members definitely get involved in that we'll leave the the email in the podcast description below. Mm. That sounds absolutely right. fascinating, yeah. Steve. Great. It really does. And talking of the heritage, actually, that mm. brings us quite nicely onto the topic for today's episode, because this is the third episode of our County Cricket Heritage Series. So for those who aren't aware, in our first episode, we covered the Derbyshire team of 1936. In the second episode, I brought on Brian Halford from Warwick, and we spoke about the 1911 Warwickshire County Cricket Club side, which lifted the county championship for the first time and on today's third episode I decided to choose quite a special team and that is the Nottinghamshire size of 1929 and Steve who better to get on the podcast for today than yourself because I know that you've got a lot of research a lot of prep about this team you know your stuff when it comes to the 1929 county championship so before we get into the key moments we look at the protagonists from that particular campaign in the years leading up to 1929 was there anything, any particular omen, any particular sign that Nottinghamshire could become the county champions of England and Wales? I, I think there was, Aaron, in the sense that certainly in 1927, we'd, we'd, we'd missed out. Uh, we, we, uh, we played Glamorgan in the final match of the season. Uh, Glamorgan were bottom of the table and we lost, basically, and uh, handed the championship to Lancashire. Uh, that they, they were, won it three years on, on, on the trot. This, this was the second of their third years. We lost out uh, by 0.9% because in those days, uh, up until 1928, of course, uh, the county championship was, was decided on, on, on a percentage basis. Uh, because of the number of games but even before that if you go back certainly uh, through the 1920s we'd um 2021 were a bit disappointing we finished seventh and eighth but then we finished second in 22 and 23 seventh and 24 fourth in 25 fourth in 26 second in 27 and third in 28 so you could you could say we were always the bridesmaid in the 1920s but never never quite the bright quite quite the bridegroom um never 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 quite the bride sorry um so i think um we'd 
performed at a, at a pretty high level without ever being able to sort of get, get across the line, really. Um, and I think that was partly because we had a very settled side. Um, and uh, it, 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 the 1929 season was, was actually about the third year where the side was pretty much un, unchanged. Um, and it was a very close team, as we'll, we'll sort of talk about some of that um, later on, really. So um, I think there were some omens there. Uh, I think some of there were an interesting number of changes in uh, county cricket in the 1929 season that year. And, and we could debate long into the night how many of these contributed to us actually getting over the line. Um, 1929 was the first year that uh, the county championship was, was standardised. So every team, every county played 28 matches. Uh, so that meant you played 14 out of the other 16 counties. Uh, and it was decided on points, not, not percentages. And that, 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 was, that was the placing. Um, also, interestingly, the, 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 the wickets were made larger. They were made an inch wider and an inch higher. Uh, and as we'll talk about later, uh, our strength was 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 the bowling um, unit as much as anything else. Um, so maybe that was a little bit of a help. Um, the LBW rule was uh, changed on a trial basis. So even if it was snicked by the batsman, if it, if, if it was still in line, that 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 was out. Uh, you counted out for LBW. Um, there was a reduction of how long you could roll the pitch for from, from 10 minutes to, to seven minutes, um, which may or may not have made a difference in our uh, favour. And, and also um, reading through some of, some, some of the reports of the season, um, there was a prolonged frost in the uh, early part of the year, which meant for lower scoring games and pitches, uh, pitches which were definitely favouring the bowlers. And because we had a strong bowling, um, bowling attack, uh, maybe that counted towards us as well. So I think it's a combination of sort of uh, internal stuff. You know, we were a good team who had stayed together and had a great, great team spirit, knew what we were doing uh, and possibly some of the external factors maybe maybe it was just destiny all came together in nine, 1929 as we're going to uh, talk, talk about in a bit we most certainly will and in particular that bowling attack we've got to go into a lot of depth when it comes to the key players and the protagonists mm. from that particular bowling lineup in 1929 but steve it's interesting you mention those different factors actually so if we were to list them the standardization of the county championship that'd be one factor the changing of the wicket length is another one. The LBW rule, that frost as well, the weather coming mm. into effect in the early parts of the season. In your opinion, which one of those factors had the biggest contribution to Nottinghamshire's success in this particular Gosh. season? Yeah, very good question. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I wonder if it was just making the stumps an inch wider and an inch taller uh, just gave our bowlers just a little bit more of a, of a, of a target to aim at. I, I guess if you asked 10 cricket enthusiasts, they'd probably all, all, all come up with a diff, 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 different answer, really, Aaron. But uh, I, I'm, you know, having having thought about it a bit, I, I'm, I'm going to say maybe the fact that the stumps were, 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 were slightly higher and wider, um, you know, it seemed to, um, seem, seemed to have favoured the bowlers, certainly. And it meant that there were a lot more results in that season than, than, than there had been in the previous season. You, you know, the, the, uh, the number of drawn games was certainly uh, noticeably less in, in, in 1929. So it wasn't wasn't just not not that it affected certainly. No, you're spot on, and we'll probably discuss that as well in more detail as the podcast progresses in terms of those particular results. But 
I suppose we have to start at the beginning of that season in 1929. First and foremost, Nottinghamshire drew versus Sussex at Trent Bridge on the 4th of May. Then they won by an innings and 37 runs over Kent, also at Trent Bridge, the following week. Then an eight-wicket win over Surrey at Trent Bridge, followed by a nine-wicket loss to Middlesex. Now, I just wanted to pick up the conversation, actually, Steve, with the fifth game, which was the innings and ten-run victory over Somerset at Trent Bridge. Because this is where two of the season's protagonists, in my opinion, really came to the forefront. One of them was a certain Harold Larwood. And Steve, Harold Larwood is a name synonymous, not just with Nottinghamshire, Mm. but cricket in general. One of the greatest seam bowlers in the history of the game. What can you tell us about Harold Larwood as both an individual and as a cricketer? What was he like as a man? I I think... Uh, I, I, I never met him. Uh, I, I would say that to start with, um, or, you know, people that Notts did because he, he used to come back from Australia uh, on, a, on a on a on a regular, not a frequent basis, but a but a, a regular basis. Um, so I, I I think one of the cricket books I've most enjoyed is is actually the biography by um, by um, Duncan Hamilton. Who uh, it's just one of the most enjoyable cricket books I've ever read. Not just because it's about a Notts not player. I think Larwood was, uh, I would say, um, a very humble, very hardworking, very talented bowler. Um, I think just, and this isn't the point, but actually he 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 could also bat a bit as well. And and it's one of my, um, I really ought to do some time. We 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 have some historic bats above the bar in the long room uh, at, at at Trent Bridge, and there's a Harold Larwood bat in there uh, and uh, I'd like to use that as the centrepiece of a sort of Harold Larwood the batsman project some, sometime because he very nearly scored a century in, a, in, a, in an Ashes test in Australia didn't he one, one. Um, so uh, but uh, no he was uh, I think a very very humble man his, his, his father was a uh, uh, strict Methodist a, a real disciplinarian and it's interesting as Duncan Hamilton does to compare uh, his the strictness of his father with the with the fun-loving Arthur Carr who was his who was his captain at at, at Trent Bridge which uh, we'll we'll talk about Arthur Arthur late later anyway but, but I, I think I think it's important certainly for 1929 and not not to think it was a one-man show. And it was interesting actually reading the spring annual of the cricketer in 1929, because they were almost sort of ringing the alarm bells or sort of uh, showing showing a bit of um, uh, caution. Because uh, if, if I can just read you a sentence or two, it said, in Nottingham, Larwood, of course, will be one of the match winners. Reading between the lines in regard to his deeds in Australia, it would seem he's not too sound, which will mean a diminution of pace which is not for the best. It is the extra couple of yards that tells in the case of a fast bowler. Um, and um, at the end of the year, uh, at the review of the season, the, the, the cricketer describes Larwood as being very carefully nursed by his his captain uh, Arthur Carr. So, so um, you know he he didn't he didn't bowl as many overs for knots as um, some of the other. Um, uh, main main protagonist certainly uh, Fred Barrett and Bill Vos were the were the real workhorses. Uh, Larwood was obviously off off on some representative matches as well. But but uh, I think uh, you know whilst people today would always think of Larwood and Vos, I think uh, one of the things about the nineteen twenty nine season particularly is 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 that it was a real team effort. And I think uh, certainly you know there's a quote in uh, Duncan Hamilton's book by by Larwood saying what a good team they they were you know and, and being a humble man he he wasn't wasn't going to wasn't going to try and uh, claim claim the credit for, for for something that that was a real team effort 
Absolutely. And it's interesting, actually, you mentioned that because in 1927 and 1928, Larwood was top of the bowling averages, wasn't he? In the entire yeah. country in 1929, that wasn't the case as a result of that nursing from his captain, mm. Arthur Carr. Definitely one of the key members of this side who we shall discuss in a lot more detail. Mm. But mm. we all know about Larwood and Vos. The fact is there's actually a stand at Trent Bridge named after the pair of them. They are icons in Nottinghamshire. But not many people would know about Fred Barrett. So, Steve, I had to ask about this guy because he seems like an interesting character, also born in Nottinghamshire as well, so very much a local boy. What can you tell me about Fred Barrett's, and in particular his contributions to the success of this yeah, particular well, side? Well, yeah, he he was the um, he was certainly the leading wicket taker after after Bill Vos anyway during the season. Like like a lot of the um, Nottinghamshire players, he did come come from from the coalfields. You know, they were they were very knit, tight, tightly knit um, um, side. No, a number of whom have been ex-miners. Um, Fred Barrett, um, yeah, um, he he bowled seven hundred and seventy-four overs during during that season, which is which is the same number as as, as Bill Vos. Really, they 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 shouldered um, the uh, the main bowling between them. But he he, he could also bat as, as as well, and he he had some fairly I- extravagant innings. Um, his his high score was actually ninety-four, uh, which was. Um, scored in fairly short short order, so I, th- I think he's he's one of the ones. Even today, if you you you, you came to Trent Bridge and asked asked people for you know five or ten um, famous players, I'd um, probably wouldn't figure among them. And I think um, again, you know, wearing my heritage officer's hat, I, I, th- I think there are guys like Fred Barrett who deserve to be better known. And maybe maybe that's something we we we, we should be looking at in in the future because um, you know he was he was the classic case of of. Of a, of, of a big strong and and his and his body size and his strength were, were often were often commented on um, um, he um, he came from the mining communities of West Knotts. you know there, there was this um, saying wasn't about whistle down a coal mine and a fast bowler will come out you, you know um, certainly there's a, a contact of mine who's a mining historian who said um, fast bowlers were far too valuable to the colliery managers to actually send them down the, down underground because uh, having a good cricket team was a real feather in the cap of of, 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 of the colliery and, and the colliery manager so one, once they knew that actually this this guy was a really good fast bowler like like Harold Larwood you, you know they they were found jobs on the surface where their hands weren't weren't going to get damaged by by hewing coal at, at the at at the coalface. Um, just a, just a little quote from uh, the cricketer annual actually about Fred Fred Barrett. Aaron. He said, um, "With his high action and power to make the ball lift off the ground, Barrett was again one of the mainstays of the attack. Uh, he sends down at times a really difficult ball, which seems to be too much even for the best of batsmen. And his great strength is, of course, a big asset. Um, so he was a big man, a strong man, and he could certainly challenge the batsmen anyway." <laughs> Certainly sounds like he could. And Mm. it's interesting, actually, you mentioned that mining history, because I did want to ask about this, Steve. This is something which came up in the Derbyshire podcast that I did with Mm. David Griffin. There was such an intrinsic relationship between the county of Derbyshire and that mining heritage. And the fact is the majority of their players came from that mining background. Mm. Just looking at this team of 1929, that also seems to be the case with Knotts, because we mentioned Harold Larwood. He was from the collieries, as was Fred Barrett. The Staples brothers as well came from a mining background. Frank Shipston 
came from Bullwell, started out as a miner in Yorkshire as well. Charles Harris from Underwood came from a mining background. What can you tell me about the, the link, the intrinsic connection between the coal fields of Nottinghamshire and Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club? Just mm. how big of a role has that industry played in developing the Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club that we saw in the 1920s? I think very much so, Aaron. I think, uh, we, we, we have a map uh, on, on the wall in the pavilion of, of, of the places, uh, of, of the birthplaces of Nottinghamshire cricketers. And without knowing the geography of the county, you, you can literally plot the coal field by the number of Knox players who were born on the west side of the county. Because um, for those of you who, who, who don't know the county, we're, we're, we're very much a north-south uh, county. It's long and thin. And the western extremities, which is uh, bordering onto Derbyshire, which is which is why David was telling you the same thing, you know, that, that that's where the coal fields were. The, the east of the county is very um, uh, ag agricultural. Uh, and, and obviously the population density is less, less in, the, in the east anyway. But I I, th I think it comes back um, partly, Aaron, to that to that thing about um, because because in those days colleges were all uh, independently owned or sort of privately owned, uh, and they they competed with each other for status as well as for coal production. And having a good cricket team was actually a really big status symbol. So you know even even now some of the former miners' welfare grounds are some 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 of the better ones in 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 the county. Uh, you know the 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 sports facilities. That, that the mine owners invested in were certainly some some of the best in the in the area uh, and yeah uh, the colliery managers were um, prepared to sort of um, either either uh, tacitly or otherwise you know um, allow their better cricketers to to, to flourish really so uh, I think it's in, inextricably uh, linked really it's a it's a subject for a whole podcast on on, on its own isn't it really but but uh, yeah and you know the, these were these were either, you know, they had been miners or they'd come from mining areas, def definitely. And, and uh, you know, pretty much all of them, um, other than Arthur Carr, were, were sort of, you know, men from the traditional working class uh, mining areas of, of the county. They most certainly were. And we'll discuss Arthur Carr next because I think mm -hmm. he does need to have his own segment in today's podcast. Obviously, mm -hmm. a, a major cog in this success with his captaincy and his leadership style. But the final person from that mining background who I actually didn't mention but we have alluded to quite a lot throughout today's podcast so far is a certain Bill Vos. Yeah. Now Vos was again a major component of this particular success so we've spoken about Barrett's, we've spoken about Larwood and we'll probably discuss Larwood and his later mm -hmm. career in due course but in terms of Bill Vos, what can you tell me about him in terms of Bill Vos, the character and the cricketer what made him such a difficult bowler for opposition batsmen to face? Well, uh, 1929 was really his sort of, um, it, you could say that it was his breakout season in, in some ways, Aaron. He, he was a, still a young man. He was only 20. Uh, Larwood was was 25 in uh, 1929. Bill, Bill was only only 20. And this was really the, his first his first big season. He, he was a, a big man. You know, Larwood was very slight. Uh, you know, we have a pair of Larwood's boots in, in in our collection, and whenever you show them to people, they're always surprised about how how small they are. You know, he 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 was not a, a, a big man, and and you know, for 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 somebody who who could deliver the ball as fast as he can, you, you know, the thought that he was actually quite a slight man, and, and that 
you know, possibly thinking ahead to his later career and all the injury problems he had. Maybe maybe, maybe that was that was part of the problem. But uh, Bill Vos was a big man, uh, and you know, Larwin and Vos were like brothers. They looked looked out out for each other. They got into scrapes together. You know, they 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 won matches together. And and I think yeah, th this was you know, if you were to say. Um, Two men on the bowling attack. Uh, you know, uh, Fred Barrett and Bill Vos really are are, are the key um, key guys. Um, Bill got 107 wickets uh, in in this season. Um, uh, finished with an average of uh, in the in the championship of of, of 16. Um, he was he was chosen as one of the one 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 of the cricketer magazine's five bowlers of the year. Um, and interestingly enough, because uh, he had started out as a spin bowler. Uh, as, a, as a slow bowler, and um, you know, um, certainly um, mentioned mentioned about um, Peter and Thomas beforehand. In 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 Peter's Peter's book, he he sort of took, talks about both actually uh, bowling both slow and fast um, uh, during during the season. Um, as it said, um, Vos used both styles of bowling according to the circumstances, at times fairly fast, swinging the ball, at others using his height and spin to great effect. Um, but it was interesting because uh, when you look at the sort of write-up of, of him uh, at, at the end of the year, um, leg theory is already raising its head. This is 1929 um, uh, season, but um, you know the, the, the cricketer annual, they, they made him one of their five bowlers of the year, um, but they said, tall and possessed of a nice action, Vos bowls fast left hand. His height is, of course, in his favour, but at present he's not able to bowl straight enough, thereby losing much of his potentialities by overdoing the leg theory. He should bowl more at the wicket, and thereby compel the batsman to play at him. Uh, and then, and then, uh, about three or four sentences later, uh, the unnamed journalist says, "At the same time, he must realise that overdoing the leg theory is a negative form of attack, a waste of time, and incidentally, a confession of weakness." Uh, and you think, yeah, fast forward a few years, and, uh, uh, it's a you know it'll it'll be a discussion point forevermore, won't 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 it really? So so you know the, there there was this thing about um, you know it wasn't necessarily Douglas Jardine that that in, introduced uh, leg theory. It was Arthur Carr who had you know tried it out at Knotts really, and so I think um, it, it you know the the the, the whole body line leg leg theory thing is is sort of raising its head there and this this is a few years before the famous famous body line tour, tour itself so yeah bill was a, a real sort of you know a real workhorse if you like him him him, him and fred barrett um really were the, were, the, were the two two key guys um so yeah um Larwood obviously played his part uh, uh both of the staples played played their 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 parts as well they they weighed weighed in with um valuable wickets in fact um Sam Staples got seventy five. Arthur Staples got sixty four. So, you, you know, they were valuable con contributions as, as as well. So certainly, but uh, so I think you know, Larwood is the most famous single name. But I think it would be a mistake to think, oh, therefore he he won the championship for for not because the you know the actual story is quite quite different, really. It definitely was, and as you said, it was an accumulation, wasn't it, of the efforts of those five bowlers, the Staples brothers, Vos Larwood and Fred Barrett, and it's interesting you mentioned leg theory, because that will become a major discussion point later on in today's episode when we discuss the legacy of this particular season, but we've spoken about the bowling attack. I suppose now, Steve, we have to talk about the mastermind of that leg theory discipline, I suppose, and of course the leader of this side, 
a man by the name of Arthur Carr, who wasn't actually born in Nottinghamshire. He was born in Surrey. And he wasn't exactly in the same level, was he? He wasn't in the same bracket of background, necessarily, in comparison to his bowlers. So what can you tell me about Arthur Carr? What do you know about him as both a person and, of course, as a captain? What was his leadership style like? Yeah, well, um, Carr, you know, he's one of those... I I just wish I'd met him because he just sounds such a fantastic character, really. He he, he lived life according to his own rules, didn't he, really? I think he, he was very fortunate uh, in that his father had made a lot of money as, as, as a stockbroker. Um, he uh, qualified for knots by residential qualification yes or wrong birth as you were you were you were hinting at um, um he he had a private income so he never really had to work and it's interesting um you know when i read um hamilton's book about law and I, I i i didn't know that much about car and and you know once i put 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 the book down at the end i, I thought you know i've learned a lot about Larwood, but actually um um two other guys came out of the book as well jimmy ironmonger who was uh, the coach for Knotts, who turned Larwood into the bowler that he, that he did. And then Arthur Carr, who turned Larwood into the man that he was, which has basically turned him from a teetotaling half of Shandy to a guy like the rest of the Knotts team, who liked a lot of ale and, and cigarettes and a good time and uh, going to bed fairly early, well, fairly early the next morning before playing again, really. So um, I, I love some of the descriptions that Duncan Hamilton um, has has of Carr. Uh, he, he said, Carr didn't resemble an athlete. He was a heavy set, slightly paunchy and round shouldered. He had narrow sea blue eyes and, a, and very fair hair with a slight parting and a high forehead, which made it look as though he was going bald. His nose was slightly crooked after he broke it and then had the bone reset without anaesthetic. When he smiled, he looked like a Halloween pumpkin. <laughs> Uh, so, so he clearly wasn't going to command respect by sort of physical presence, um, uh, and he basically loved having a good time. Uh, Duncan Hamilton says, you know, for uh, for for Carr, the twenties really really did roar, um, you know, um, and. Uh, he, he, he describes him as Carr was essentially a rakish but entirely lovable and charming rogue, a toffish Jack the Lad who gave the impression of being one of those slightly disreputable characters with his elbow on the drawing room mantelpiece or was a dry martini close by. Um, and and you, you think, how on earth did a guy like that win over 10 mining uh, miners who, uh, you know, had, uh, sort of lived a very, very diff- different life to him? And, and and they were described actually as a bit of a cliquey bunch, you know, and, and uh, because, of course, this was the era when the captain of the club was expected to be an amateur. Uh, and, you know, like I imagine other counties, we, we've had... Um, players who, 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 who were selected as being captain purely because they were amateurs, not the, because they needed an amateur and they happened, happened to be the uh, best best fit fit at the time, really. So, um, but but Carr won them over, I think, uh, partly because they soon realised that he was uh, out for a good time, um, but also because he was a really competitive um Captain, you know, he 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 played hard cricket. He he wanted to win. He was criticised sometimes by 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 the Knotts committee for for some of his attitudes, some of, some of his some of his tactics. Um, and I think um, you know, it it would have been very easy for the for the for the other 
10 guys in the team who were all all from mining stock you know to to have just turned turned against this um public school boy who who got thrown out of oxford university after two terms because he admitted that he hadn't hadn't done a blind blind bit of work you know um and and he he actually became a very a very inspirational captain um to them you know, you know. Uh, so i i think he was he was uh a really big part of it. He, he was a decent, decent player in his own right. He was, he, he was a good batsman. He, he, he was the captain of England for um, a, a few, few test matches. Anyway, he, he, he had his ups and downs over, over the seasons. You know, he, he, he certainly, he had, an, had uh, in the championship season, uh, 29, he, he had a, an average of, of 25 and a high score of 123. So, so he certainly didn't let the side down, but he was a, he, he was a really good um tactician uh, and he knew how to get the best out of players and I think uh, you know he knew how to just wind Larwood up a bit by telling him that the opposition were, didn't think he was as fast as he as, as, as he used to be and that would you know immediately get Larwood fired up and make him even faster so I, I think um, you know it's an un- unlikely combination in some some ways uh, the, but he was uh, yeah I, I just think he's a fantastic guy and, and I'm to, so 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 sorry uh, not not to have met him I, I think um, again he's uh, I, I think you know fast forwarding to the end of his time here and, and it, it was uh, he was well, he was sacked as an England captain uh, at one time. He was then sacked as Knox captain, and it all all ended a bit in, with a bit of uh, rancor and every, everything else. And it, and it's just 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 a pity, you know, a bit like Larwood as well. The the end, as far as Knox was concerned, was 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 not a happy one. It sort of all all fizzled fizzled out, you know. And and um, uh, yeah, Carr didn't leave on good terms. He he wasn't going to hold back, was he? And certainly sort of spilt the beans in his newspaper articles and in in his book and stuff like 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 that. But uh, no, a, a, a great guy um, and, and a really important part of the season's uh, success, I, I would say. He most definitely was, Steve. And just picking up on that conversation piece, I suppose, about his captaincy. And you mentioned there he's an excellent tactician. He also knew how to get the best out of his bowlers. Quite clearly commanded respect in the dressing room as well. In your opinion, what do you think was the main factor behind Arthur Carr's success as Nottinghamshire captain because he captained the side between 1919 and 1934. He won the county championship, Notts finished in the top four on nine occasions, Mm. and they never finished in a double-figure position. That's quite staggering consistency over the course of a 15-year tenure. What do you think made him so so special as a captain, and what was the main factor behind Mm. his success in that position? I... I can only go by what other people have written about him, but I think it was that loyalty that he uh, generated. Really, that that that's certainly one of the points that um, Duncan Hamilton makes. So you, you know that that uh, the the players would have done anything for him. It was, um, um, and I think that that's a possibly a sort of characteristic of great captains. Um, we had a very interesting um, Nottingham Cricket Lovers Society meeting the other week where. Um, where Andy Pick and Kevin Saxelby were talking about Clive Rice, uh, who was, uh, and and I said, you know, if if Clive had told us to jump off the first floor pavilion balcony, we'd we'd we'd, we'd have done it. You know, he he just, uh, and and I think one of the interesting uh, similarities, I think, uh, b- b- between um, Rice and Carr, and you could probably say Ben Stokes as a, as a, as a test captain is, uh, you know, they were all out for wins. You know, they weren't too interested in uh, draws as, as uh, uh, 
Kevin and uh, and Andy said, you know, Clive Rice wasn't interested in draws at all. You know, it was either win or lose. Um, and I, I think uh, Arthur, Arthur Carr was 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 very much, you know, he he was after after wins really. And and you know, for a for a certain period of time, he 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 had a team that could certainly deliver that, as you were saying. You, you know, we 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 finished in the top half of the championship for a, a really consistent period, didn't we? Most certainly did, and yeah, that was some some stint, wasn't it, as captain? Fifteen years—that's mm. a long time to be a captain of a, a first class oh, yes. county. Yeah, yes, yes. He possibly, you know, overstayed his welcome by 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 the end of it, really. And, it, and as, as 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 I was saying, it was a pity that it all all ended a bit bit sort of uh, rancorously, really. But but uh, no, I you know he deserves his place in the in the history of of of, of not certainly yeah great great man. Well, he does, and it, correct me if I'm wrong here, Steve, but don't you have one of his bats in the long room as well at Trembridge? We do, yeah, yes, yes, certainly. Um, um, yeah, we, we have the the collection in the long room. was Actually, um, it was bought by Sir Julian Kahn uh, and when... And, displayed in his pavilion at, at his own private cricket ground just just about half a mile away from here he, he had his own ground in, in, in West Bridgeford uh, when when he passed away during the Second World War uh, the the collection of bats uh, was um, tra- transferred to the to the club uh, we didn't have the room to display all of them so some of them were, were, were sold off but yeah when when you come to Trembridge next season have a, have a look above the bar in the, in in the long room because there, there are some very famous names you know uh not all of them by any means anything to do with knots you know we've um um, we've certainly got two of the grace brothers we've uh um wg and and em they're 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 bats of theirs there's a there's a a full of pilch bat a a trumper bat you know so that there's some great great names there anyway and uh, a ao jones as well who who of course was the was the previous uh, Notts Championship uh, winning captain? Um, you know, he'd he'd uh, our previous county championship fixture was in 1907, and uh, A.O. Jones was the was was the captain then. And, and, it, and it, it's interesting uh, that um, two of the side, uh, um, George Gunn and Wilf Payton, uh, had played in the 1907 winning side and played in the 1929 winning side, wasn't it? You know, um, George Gunn had had his 50th birthday during a match against Worcestershire, uh, and he and he uh, scored scored 160 uh, odd during 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 that 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 match. And anyway, so um, I think one of the things. Um, we were an old side, and you look at uh, the the team, uh, you know, teams these 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 days, and you think, gosh, that, you know, it's just a, a com- completely different approach to, to to cricket, really, because um, you know, it's interesting um, to go back to Duncan Hamilton again. You, you know, he he was saying, um, not we're we're essentially uh, a a Victorian um, team uh, because Larwood and Vos were the only players of that team who were born in the twentieth century. Uh, all the others were born in the 1800s. You know, uh, um, so Gunn was born in 1879. So, so he he, he was 50. Uh, but but still, you know, um, uh, finished 
third in our batting averages still uh, you know scored 1500 runs uh, du- during the season so so you know could 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 still hold hold his own in 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 county cricket in fact his son george vernon gunn was also also playing he 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 played a few games he, he wasn't an established member of the side but he actually played seven of the 28 uh, uh, county championship matches during during that that season so so you know to think of a father and son actually playing in the same championship winning side shows shows you how much how much cricket's moved on since then doesn't it really it definitely does Stevens. just just talking of that play style i suppose actually because i found this quote you mentioned about a victorian born team but a lot of people also describe their batting almost in that way as well this is according to <laughs> to one source from the cricketer not to criticize for batting too slowly which according to writers at the time was deemed to have created an atmosphere of slow play and disinterest which had driven many spectators away from their ordinary matches. Do you think that's a fair comparison or a fair reflection of Nottinghamshire's batting displays and their approach to the game of cricket in 1929? I'm, I'm, I wouldn't have said so, actually. Um, and it's interesting. Um, if you read um, W.G. Grace's book, cricket he has a number of pops against knots for um for players being more interested in their own batting averages than in than in the team's uh performance and criticizes knots for their slow rate of scoring but 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 that was in a different generation that was the sort of arthur shrewsbury uh generation really i, th- I think um you know with with sort of people like um Gunn, who we've talked about, who was a, a, a supreme entertainer, wasn't he? he? He would sort of come come down the pitch to fast bowlers, you know, and, and uh, could could score very quickly. Um, uh, in the 1929 season, our leading batsman was actually um, William Weissel, Dodge Weissel, who who, who got. Uh, over 2,000 runs, uh, average of 54. You, you know, uh, Wilf Payton, uh, average of 43. Gunn, average of 40. So I, I, I know there was there was one match against Yorkshire, wasn't there? Which, which uh, they were criticised as, as uh, how few runs were scored, but but that would appear to be because Yorkshire battered an awful long time in the first innings, didn't they? And then Knotts realised they were never going to win the game. So so what what they didn't want to do is lose it against one of the other top top counties. So they they were they were criticised certainly in that match. But I think um you know the fact that quite a few matches were won in two days or in or sort of fairly on in the third day. I, I'm now I, I am I am a bit surprised about that. I think in other eras definitely it was a fair fair call. But but I think in, in, in 1929 I, I think that was possibly um I don't know a bit of bit of envy or, or jealousy or, or, or just misreading of the stats I'm, I'm not sure potentially could have just been a Yorkshire fan I suppose a little bit disgruntled um, possibly after, possibly yes. after yeah. that game and funny enough talking yeah. of Yorkshire actually just heading back onto the season now Steve as mm. we discussed some of the key moments from that particular season we, we got to the Somerset game after the Somerset game there was a draw against Leicestershire at Trent Bridge Barrett took 12 wickets in that match then there was a victory an innings and 90 run win to be specific against uh, Middlesex at Trent Bridge. Barrett took nine wickets in that game. There's a little bit of a pattern here in terms of that early season success for Fred Barrett. Then there's a draw against Worcestershire at New Road. And then there was a loss in the column. Now, this would prove to be the final loss of the season, but a five-wicket defeat to Yorkshire at Bramall Lane, which, as football fans will know, is the home of Sheffield United. Wilf Rhodes took 11 wickets in this game. Now, this was the last time that Nottinghamshire lost in that season. And Steve, this is going to be an interesting question, but how much of a catalyst do you think that defeat played 
in turning Notts' season around. Because up until this point, looking at the form, four wins, two draws mm-hmm. and two losses didn't seem as though that's county championship winning form does it absolutely and and, and i think you know it's interesting uh in wisdom in the 1930 wisdom in the, in, the, in, the, in their review of the season you know they say with the month of june little more than half over there were two defeats on the record and the prospects of carrying off the championship had been seriously damaged yeah you you, you definitely you know at that stage you, you wouldn't think um you know we were cut out to be to be to be champions i think you know those, those, those two middlesex results were interesting weren't they because we We'd, we'd lost at lost at Lords uh, by by nine wickets, but but then uh, beaten by an innings and ninety runs when 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 they came back here here, here to Trent Bridge. Um, so yeah, you you would have to think um, whether. Arthur Carr took them out on another bender and gave a rousing speech and uh, sorted out everything out. Who, who knows? Who knows? But but uh, no, it, 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 if you look back at the season and, and and the results, you would certainly say that 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 was the sort of watershed, wasn't it? Really, Aaron? And, and and after that, you, you know, we we just um, we, we 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 never lost again. And I think um, you know some of the big wins, you know, beating Lancashire, who were the were the current champions at Old Trafford by 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 six wickets? You know that that sort of stands out as being um, being being one of them. Beating Gloucestershire, who uh, were one of one of the top sides as well, both both home and away. We we won at, at, at Bristol by six runs, uh, but but then when they came back to Trent Bridge, beat them by an innings and twenty seven runs. You know th- those are those are some of the big games. And I think I think looking back at the season, you know, you know the, the 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 fact that we did we did. Pretty well against the top sides, you know. When when we um, uh, because of the sides who finished second to six, so that's Lancashire, Yorkshire, Gloucestershire, Sussex, and Middlesex. Uh, we only lost to two of them, uh, both of them away. We lost away at Yorkshire, as you were saying, and, and, and away at Middlesex. Uh, uh, and we, we we avoided losing to uh, you know to all the others home home and away. And I think that that was a big a big part of it as well. And I think um, you know. Football clubs talk about grounds being fortresses, don't don't, don't they? I think Trent Trentbridge definitely. Um, you know the the wisdom. Wisdom was saying Trent Bridge very appropriately was the scene of Knott's greatest triumphs. Here, out of 14 engagements, they won nine, seven in a single innings, one by nine wickets and the other by eight wickets. Uh, while of the five drawn matches, uh, three were left much in favour of the home side. You know, so uh, a, a lot of it was built on on really good results here here at Trent Bridge. Anyway. Well, why do you think that was the case, actually? Talking of that success then, 14 matches at Trent Bridge, nine victories, five draws. How did Carr and that bowling attack, and of course that top order, turn Trent Bridge into a fortress? What made that such a, a difficult ground to come and, and beat knots on? It's a very good question, isn't it? Because, you know, the Trent Bridge has been through a stage of being known, known as a batsman's paradise and, um, you know, uh, you never finish a match and... Bowlers found it really hard, hard, hard work to take take wickets here. I, I, I honestly don't know, and I, I think um, uh, we'd we'd had a decent record here in in previous seasons. Um, I, I, there's there's never much written about the crowds, and and um, uh, so I don't know to what extent home support played a played played a factor in that. I know um, certainly you know county cricket did did get uh, uh, decent crowds, particularly on 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 Saturdays anyway. But um, so maybe it was a bit of um, home um, home support. Um, but um, no, we, we've we've had groundsmen since then who've. Um, 
you know, rumor has it one one of them had one of them was actually on on, on a win bonus uh, uh, to uh, uh, prepare the wickets that we we needed. But uh, there's not much written about the state of the wickets uh, either. Um, so um, no, I, th I think um, you know it's not unusual, is it, for for for, for sports teams to uh, you know do 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 better at home, really. And uh, so it's may maybe a combination of circumstances as much as anything else. Um, uh, but uh, no, it was certainly where where the found foundations of, of the championship victory were, were laid anyway. It definitely was. I mean, that's quite the record, isn't it? Nine wins and five draws at home. Obviously, the foundation, the building block of that success in 1929. And Steve, this is going to be another pertinent question, I suppose. But we've mentioned that loss to Yorkshire. That could have been a catalyst. That six-run victory over Gloucestershire and Bristol was quite the comeback, wasn't it? Gloucestershire were 159 for seven, chasing 168 runs. And then Staples and Vos took the final three wickets for just two runs yes. to deliver knots to a very famous victory. In your opinion, Steve, looking back through the archives, looking back on that season, what do you say was the defining moments? What do you think was the game or the innings or the bowling display which ultimately led to Nottinghamshire lifting their second county championship? Gosh, that's a very good question. And I, um, you, you, you'd have to say, you know, what, what, what would that Gloucestershire victory have done for for confidence? It would have done a great, great for for sort of team morale, I think. But but the, the the fact that you know Gloucestershire were one of one of the top sides, you know they 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 finished fourth at the end of the season, and and to and to to grab um, victory from the from the jaws of, of an impending defeat, um, I think you know I only speculate what the dressing room was like after after that game anyway. But um, I, yeah, you 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 would have to think that 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 was probably one of the sort of outstanding results wasn't it that was in the mid middle of july so that so there was still you know a, a reasonable amount of the of, of the season to go that was the 16th of 28 matches so there was uh, was quite a long um season to, to go after that you know we, we we drew with somerset in in the next match didn't we but 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 then we beat uh glamorgan by an innings and 22 21 runs and and northamptonshire by an innings and 67 runs in, you know in the following two two matches so um yeah i, th I think you know, um, whenever you see one by six runs, you think, "Gosh, there's got to be an exciting story there, haven't you?" And I think, you know, that must must have done wonders for the confidence, really. Definitely did, and that is just quite a staggering victory, isn't it? Really, to be mm. 159 for seven to catalyse those final three wickets for for two runs. Yeah, it's just one of those moments, isn't it? You look back on on championship winning teams, and you go, "Yeah, that probably was one of the moments where you think it's." probably written isn't it? its fate at that point is destiny that they're going yes. to go on and, and lift the county championship and in terms of the rest of the season after that game a draw versus Somerset in Taunton massive win over Glamorgan in Pontypridd by an innings and 121 runs innings and 67 run win over Northants as you mentioned three consecutive draws against mm -hmm. Surrey Kent and Derbyshire respectively and then yes unfortunately for my boys Warwickshire an innings and 68 run victory yes. over the Bears in Coventry, in which Walker scored 133 not out. We haven't really mentioned the batting actually so far, Steve, but in terms of, of Dodge Weissall, he was an interesting character and that 2,620 runs which he scored in that season was actually a Nottinghamshire record. And that stands mm. to this day, doesn't it, in terms of most runs scored in yes. a single season. 
Who do yes. you say was the the main protagonist from a from batting perspective? Yeah, uh, well, it's interesting because um, you know certainly one article I read uh, said uh, how, how how we batted you know all, almost all all the way down. You, you know, I think uh, Bill Vos's average was only eleven point five, so and and Larwood was thirteen, so you know it, it sort of fell away a bit really. But um, we we did have was it eight uh, batsmen who who averaged twenty or or, or more certainly. Um, you know, Dodge Weissel was the was the uh, you know by by far and away the, the most successful batsman with an average of fifty four. Uh, Will Payton uh, and George Gunn, the the two el elder statements. Willis Walker, uh, Carr, uh, Arthur Staples. Good. So you know Staples was late late claim to be a genuine all rounder. I think you know because he'd taken six sixty four wickets, uh, uh, but he also scored seven hundred thirty three runs in, in 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 the championship. So he'd certainly uh, contributed at both ends. You know. Um, um some some staples got 75 wickets uh and 249 runs so uh, you know not not quite as successful as, as as his brother so so i think um you know but yeah uh Weissel, Payton, gun um walker you know they were they were the sort of key key protagonists really and uh, arthur carr tended to blow blow a bit hot hot and cold really really but but um you know certainly weighed in weighed in um Weissel, uh got six centuries during that season didn't he, he uh gun gun got four uh car Peyton walker uh, got 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 two each and then ben lily got got one century so you know they, they certainly uh weighed in with it with a lot of runs which which you know makes that uh, makes that comment that you were talking about from the cricketer somewhat somewhat questionable it was the you know the fair comment but not in that particular season i think really well yeah we'd have to find the origin of that i suppose i'll yes, have to do some further yes. research it would Not be interesting anymore. to find yeah. out yeah. yeah who actually who made that remark but talking of the batting as well funnily enough the the next game after that warwickshire win was a draw against lancashire trent bridge walk scored 169 in that then the next game the innings and 27 run victory over mm -hmm. gloucestershire at trent bridge weissel scoring 244 so the batsmen definitely found their rhythm they got into the groove as the season began to unwind and then the final three games of the season, a draw against Sussex and Eastbourne, a 10-wicket victory over Northampton at Wanted Road, and a draw against Derbyshire at Ilkston. And yeah, by the end of that season, with 158 points after winning 14 matches, drawing 10 and losing to Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club, champions of England and Wales for the second time. So Steve, in terms of the, the end of the season, what can you tell me about the celebration? Because this is something which... I have spoken about in the first two episodes of the Heritage series. So, for example, Derbyshire, they each got um, they each got quite a few souvenirs as a result of winning the championship. Warwickshire again, they had quite a a big feast in their honour at the Grand Hotel in Birmingham. What can you tell me about the celebrations and the souvenirs that the Nottinghamshire players received upon the the end of this season? Yeah, the, the, well, the, the the season sort of fizzled out, didn't it? Really, because um, we, we needed to avoid defeat at Derbyshire, uh, and as as it happens, Yorkshire lost their their match anyway, didn't it? Uh, didn't they? So so um, we um, the Derbyshire match was was heavily rain affected, um, and so the, so the season rather sort of fizzled out, and and it's and it's interesting um, that the Knots team were invited to go straight from Ilkeston. Uh, to the council house 
in Nottingham, which is our, our, our sort of city hall, if, if you like. Really. Um, um, and they, they went by bus, and then Arthur Carr um, stood on the steps with a with a megaphone um, and and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, it is most awfully nice of you to come and welcome us like this, and we appreciate it very much. We've tried very hard this year to win the championship, and if you only realise what a great strain it has been, you would not ask me to stand here and speak for much longer." <laughs> Um, so you can probably guess where he was heading for, I should think, as soon as. Uh, so yeah, so so a, so a crowd uh, turned up at the uh, in the in, in in the market square. Uh, the um, es estimates, you know, five five or six hundred um, uh, who 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 were there to sort of cheer cheer their their, their heroes home anyway. But but um, yeah, there there were more uh, sort of formal uh, occasions um, late later on in the season. Um, it was interesting that. Um, after the council house, there was a more formal celebration. And in Duncan Hamilton's book about Larwood, he, he talks about Arthur Carr uh, playfully describing Nottinghamshire as a team of comedians, qualifying it with the thought that one day they were capable of scoring 65 for three and the next of being out for 130. Uh, but it was a clannish side, as tight as a family, and its members were fiercely protective of one another. So you can bet your life they... they um, went off and had some celebrations amongst the team. They were, they were very careful because um, Carr introduced a real drinking culture in, in, into the team because a team that drank together, played together and won together in, 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 in his mind. But uh, they were in increasingly careful about uh, sort of staying out of the public eye and not being seen to be drunk in public, if, if, if you like. So um, there were formal um, presentations, but uh, you can probably bet your life that there were some uh, bit, bit behind the scenes um, drinking sessions as well really as they, as, as they celebrated the hard-earned championship. Well it certainly was a hard-earned championship and just looking actually at some of the the rewards that they got I think I found this on the on the Trent Bridge website funnily enough mm -hmm. so the club received a, a check for £893 then they obviously collected some souvenirs throughout the season so guessing certain bits and pieces from from the different grounds they got a clock given by a certain Mrs. Herbert C. Rowe, who was a, a friend of the club and the players. And then each of them got a cigarette case, which was inscribed with the names of the team. So, again, some, some nice souvenirs, some nice gifts to wrap up what was a very memorable county championship season. And, Steve, just to almost, I suppose, lead us on to the conclusion of today's episode, now that we've actually spoken about the key moments, the key players, the protagonists of this championship success, we have to look at the legacy, I suppose, because with this Nottinghamshire side, the legacy is quite interesting, isn't it? In particular, when you think of the, the mid-1930s, three of that team, I suppose Carr in more of a, a background role, but in particular, Larwood and Vos went down in history for their role in the Bodyline series. Unfortunately for Dodge Weissel, he died in 1930, didn't he, mm -hmm. from septicemia, so he unfortunately didn't have a long career afterwards. In, in retrospect, what do you say was the legacy of this team? Yeah, it's a very good question, um, Aaron, because you would, in one sense, you would have to say not much because they were they were an old team and they'd they'd literally reached the end of their the end of their time. You, you know that they, they were um, the fact that um, Larwood and Vos were the only two 
uh, who had been born in the in the 20th century. You know, that uh, Carl was 50. They, they were they, they they weren't destined to play for much longer. And in fact, you know, the fact that uh, we didn't win the championship again until 1981 speaks volumes, doesn't doesn't it? Really, you, you know, the the following year after after we were winners, we we finished fourth fifth and fourth um but then it, it's interesting in um in his official history of knots you know uh, peter win thomas's next chapter after the 1921 uh, season is, is headed the slow decline uh, and, and and it really was a slow decline and it, you, you'd have to say from from a team point of view uh there, were, there was probably not much of a legacy re really uh, you know within a few years it was a very different different side who never reached the the, the levels of of cars team uh, i think um to go back to what we're talking about particularly about the cricketers comments on vos uh the possibly the legacy uh, carried on through Larwin and vos of leg theory body line was probably the biggest legacy it wouldn't have been appreciated at the time i'm i'm, I'm, I'm sure but but uh you know the the that would be probably if you look back at history and think yeah that that's around about where it was starting that's that's probably more of a legacy than the team itself really um because um, they, they they had reached the end of a natural cycle and and if you could criticize the club it was possibly for having just too many old men who were all likely to finish finish up you know it was tra tragic the way that dodge weisel died and he slipped over to dance uh got got um cut his elbow on his suede jacket well uh but, but, but cut his elbow put his suede jacket on caught septicemia and and died at an early age and you know you, you can only speculate on on who uh on how how great a player he he would have carried on uh, being um you know there, there were one or two guys um uh, like Walter Keaton and, and Charlie Harris, who were sort of hovering around the the the, the fringes, who who came in afterwards. But um, you know, we, we never had that that critical mass of really good players. Um, so I think that 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 team reached the end of its cycle. And if there was a legacy, and I think it's more in the form of Larwin and Vos developing body line that then became an England legacy as much as a not not Swan really. Well, it most certainly was an England legacy. I mean, I would go as far to say a cricketing legacy, isn't it? Just in yes, general, I, it, it's I, synonymous, I, isn't it? Yes, with, yes, it with, really is, yeah. With the game, that bodyline series of 1932-33. For those who don't know what we are alluding to, again, that deserves a podcast <laughs> by itself. It really does. That series was absolutely extraordinary, infamous. If you're from Australia, though, England winning the series 4-1. And yeah, that got ugly at times. Larwood obviously being the, the pantomime villain, for the Aussies, but he was the leading wicket-taker in that series with 33 wickets at 19.51, and Vos was the joint fifth leading wicket-taker with 15 wickets at 27.13. But, yeah, again, that's a discussion which could last for a good two, three hours bodyline. That really was an extraordinary series, and one which ultimately ended up costing Harold Larwood his career, didn't it, Steve? Yes, and and it drew knots uh, into all sorts of turmoil after afterwards. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be one of our projects next year, Aaron, because obviously this 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 year and next year, because the 
series went over two calendar years, didn't it? Is is the ninetieth anniversary? We we um, feel in some ways that the that the that the cricketing story, the, the pure cricketing story, has been told very well by by a lot of other people. So that you know Douglas Jardine, Harold Larwood, Bill Vos. Um, what what the the more off the pitch re repercussions here that, that involve the club president Sir Julian Khan, who tried to get Larwood to apologise, uh, Arthur Carr, who went out and met Larwood on his on his way back, um, George Gould, who was the honorary secretary of the club, um, uh, but 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 was also the club doctor, um, declaring players unfit when they were due to be playing playing against Australia. You, you know there, there were there were a lot of other Knox people who were sort of drawn into that, and that that that's going to be one of the things that we'll 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 be looking at next season amongst the heritage team. And anyway, uh, Aaron, I think just 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 going back to the end of the season, particularly because of course um, you know in 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 those days the county the the champion county played the rest of England, didn't they? And, and I think the uh, just emphasising what a great team this was, uh, um, not lost to the rest of England by only eight runs, uh, and that that was what did the 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 cricketer annual at the end of the season said that the, the fine all round form shown against a strong rest of England team added greatly to the reputation of the eleven. For on that memorable occasion, they only just failed by eight runs to attain a distinct. A distinction that was last gained by Yorkshire 24 years ago. So it was normal for the rest of the rest of England team to beat the champion county. Uh, but uh, you know we we got pretty close by only losing by by eight runs. So I think that that really you know if if any emphasis was was needed uh, that that this was a special team um, you know and and um, it deserves to go down in history really. It definitely does, Steve, and I think that's a lovely way, actually, and a lovely sentiment to end today's episode on, because that's exactly why I started up this series. You get to learn so much through these conversations. I mean, today, learning about Nottinghamshire and that link with the mining industry, learning the individual stories as well. This is why I love county cricket. It's not just fantastic entertainment on the pitch, and you make some fantastic memories for life, but there's such a rich tapestry of history, isn't there, associated with each of these 18 first-class counties? Absolutely right, Aaron, and that's what makes my job as the heritage officer here so so fascinating. You know, there are just so many stories to mine. Um, uh, you're, sorry, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, there are just so uh, so many different angles. I think uh, you know we, we've we've done. You know, quite a lot of projects, not not just about cricket. You know, because like uh, like a lot of uh, county championship games. You know, well, we were actually an international football venue before we held our first Test match. You know, so that there's there's a whole a whole story of you know we we've had a lot of other sports, um, some of which are illegal now uh, played played here. Um, the the two pavilions because we had a ladies' pavilion in the First World War as well. They they were used as a, as, as a hospital. Um, um, so that there's a whole wartime story to be told, you, you, you know. So I, I think that um, there's there's so many rich characters in in county cricket, aren't there? And I, I, I would com, com, completely agree. There's a, there's a, there's a lifetime of stories to be to be discovered and to be shared and and to be enjoyed. There really are, and that's why I love this series, and we'll continue it for as long as I possibly can because it's just so fascinating. It really is. I mean, that's just one season. Of, I mean, knots have been around since 1841 in their current guise. So, yeah, plenty more discussions, plenty more stories to be uncovered over the next few years. But, Steve, I think that is a wonderful place to wrap up what's been a fascinating episode 
of the Counter Cricket Podcast. So just before we say our final goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote, maybe in terms of things which Notts are doing over the next few months, maybe the next year or so, that members and fans should be aware of, per se? I think in addition to the obvious, Aaron, I think uh, women's cricket is going to be a much bigger uh, thing here, here, at, here at Trembridge next year. We don't have a rich history of women's cricket here for one reason or another, but, but um, uh, we've the uh, team that were known as Loughborough Lightning are, are now the Blaze, uh, and the, the regional team, and they're, they're based here. In fact, um, um, two of their players came along to our uh, volunteers' Christmas social on, on Monday night and did a really, really good talk. It was really interesting to hear, hear, hear about what, what, um, what, what, what they're doing and uh, the, the, the hopes of the, of the individual players and, and, and the team and really how, how women's cricket works because it, it's, it's not something that, that um, everybody knows a, a lot about we've we've got the women's ashes here uh there's a five-day women's test match uh going to be here uh in june of next year so we'd uh we we, we already have a a women in cricket um there's a project to try and assemble the history of women's cricket in nottinghamshire over the years and then there's a program of trying to keep keep up to date um, and re record the history as as it unfolds so we're, we're we're very keen to talk to to um either women who have been involved with women's cricket or men's cricket and there are plenty of women who have worked in a man's world in 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 some way or other um we've had a fantastic chat with our second scorer and and cosworth who who also does um quite a lot of the away first team matches for instance and and um so we're, we're always keen to talk to either women uh, about their involvement with cricket or else men who are involved with with women's cricket because certain, certainly the um you know that that that's just as valid because uh, we we realise there's a there's a big catch up to be done. Um, it's interesting. We you know we we we've possibly got around fifteen thousand books in the library. We haven't sat down and counted them yet, Aaron, but, but um, there are there are nine on women's cricket at the moment, which I think uh, in, indicates that maybe um, for all his uh, enthusiasm, um, our late. Club historian Peter Wynne Thomas, bless him, wasn't really interested in non-first-class cricket. Actually, to be to be to be fair, he wasn't wasn't that well. He, he was interested in one-day cricket. He certainly wouldn't have been interested in in in, in the hundred. Uh, and and women's cricket didn't feature too um, too much in the centre of his radar either. So um, you know, as trying to get a a resource for the future that's more representative. Uh, women, women in cricket is going to be one of one of our big uh, programs over the next few years. And so, um, thank, thanks for the opportunity of of mentioning that. Anyway, well, no, that's a really interesting project. And again, for anybody tuning in to today's episode, if you can get involved in that, please feel free to do so. I'm guessing that they can do that via the email. Steve yes, yeah, uh, her heritage at knotsccc.co.uk. That that would come through to me, Aaron. I'd be be delighted to hear hear from anybody. Really, anybody who 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 has a story that they might like to share, and uh, might like other people to hear about. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a really nice way to to end the podcast as well, Steve. With a, a view to the future, and obviously wishing yourself and everybody at Nottinghamshire and the blaze all the best of luck with that sounds like a fascinating project and yeah fingers crossed if anyone out there can help you can also get some extra assistance from our listeners but steve that is pretty much it for today's episode of the counter cricket podcast again just a massive thank you for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure just looking at the time this last hour has absolutely <laughs> flown by 
And of course, to each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. And as always, guys, we shall see you on the next one. <laughs>